By speaking with local creators, artists, and business professionals, PaperCut aims to cut deep and demystify the Winnipeg creative industry with hometown heroes and hidden gems. Brought to you by the West End Cultural Center, the best place for over 30 years to see live music in Winnipeg. Welcome to PaperCut Podcast. My name is Jared Gocha. I'm Olivia Michaelchuk. We're here with Nick Dyson. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Nick. Uh, starting where? Ooh, that's a good question. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we got no idea. No one's ever asked us. Yeah. How about starting with art? Yeah. Uh, well, a little bit about my art or just art in general? My Yeah, your art. Yeah, about okay. yourself in art. Yeah, yeah. Wonderful. Okay, yeah. So, so... Sorry for bouncing the question back at you a bunch of times there. We got it now. We got it. Yeah, we figured it out. Okay. So, um, I grew up with my dad showing me all the music. Um, I grew up with a very unorthodox, uh, obsessive view of music, even at like eight years old. Because uh, he showed me all the classics, um, he had his record collection, and we would have these. He called them uh, musical education nights, where he would pull out <laughs> certain records or certain songs, and he'd be like, "Okay, I think you're ready for this." And then he'd show me that whatever song it was. Um, and so, and then when I became a teenager, an angsty teenager, I uh, discovered my own path of music. I, I'm Still haven't left that path, but I, I branched out and I discovered uh, bands like Alexis on Fire, City in Color, Paramore, all these crazy, amazing bands, which then ended up uh, inspiring me to write my own music. Uh, City in Color, uh, in particular, he was, I call him my catalyst for my own songwriting. So how would you describe your, your sound? Oh, um... <laughs> Don't mean to stress you out. <laughs> yeah, this is stressing me out. Um, I, I, I think my strong suit is finger style. I get a lot of comments about my finger picking. Because um, I never use a pick. And a lot of guitar players uh, freak out at me for that. Is there a reason why you don't use a pick? Um... Well, just the more that I wrote, because uh, I kept writing these really nice finger-picking songs, I just, I kind of decided that I didn't need a pick anymore. And I, even when I strum, I kind of have a, a finger style to it. So, so musically, it's very finger style, very somber. Uh, and then lyrically, it's super um, confession ish um and very cathartic and i i use it as a form of therapy like i i use it to kind of come to terms with my whatever's going on in my life you know people say that you're afraid to be alone because you're alone with your thoughts um and those thoughts are basically what my songs are i kind of have to force myself to be alone for a while and sometimes the the words come out right away, and sometimes never they never do, and it takes months and months of just sitting there, kind of staring at the wall, thinking, and thinking about my own thinking, very meta. <laughs> and then eventually I'll get I'll get an idea 
or a thought that has some kind of continuity to it that I can base a song around or yeah does that make any sense yeah it makes a lot of sense sense. I think it's one of the hardest questions is to describe your your creative process and your sound because mm-hmm. yeah you did a great job yeah oh, thank, you. <laughs> thank you I mean yeah and I think it changes too like I know I, I think I saw you making a face a little bit there so on my last album I had two I didn't make a face oh because <laughs> I know maybe I did uh, yeah, maybe I you made a face. because the other part of me I have a punk side to me and on my last album yeah, okay. I, I really like really selfishly and self-indulgently put two full band punk songs like turned up to 11 in the middle of these somber acoustic songs. And, you know, in hindsight, probably not the greatest idea because, like, I would I have yet to play those songs like that live. Like, I always play acoustic. So when people buy my album, I kind of have to put a disclaimer, be like, don't be afraid. There's two really loud punk songs in the middle of this album, but the rest is really quiet and somber. Yeah, like on song number seven, turn it down. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just, a, just an FYI, if you're doing it while you're in the bathtub or something. Yeah, yeah it might, it might yeah. throw you off. Yeah. And so I've, I realize now that that probably wasn't the greatest idea, but um, now I have, I have a, like a little side project that I do to try and get that side of myself out. So I leave the, uh, the somber confessionist uh, side of myself for the the acoustic project. And do you bring some of those somber acoustic songs to your band project? Uh, not this band project. Right. I think eventually I will have to employ a band behind me. I think I'll I will definitely go that route. I haven't thought that far ahead, mm-hmm. but I know it's in, on the horizon, and I know I will do it, and I want to do it. Uh, especially now that I've actually had the opportunity to play with a band. I didn't play with a band for like seven years. It was just always by myself. And I would have, you know, the occasional person come up and play with me, but it was always just me. And, uh, and then I played with a band and I was like, this is what I've been missing. How did the band come together? Uh, he's actually one of my best friends of all time. Olivia, you know him. His name is Brendan Kupiak. We went to school with him. Mm-hmm. He plays in a bunch of bands. And uh, I just kind of... He he sings and he plays bass, but he bought himself like an electric drum kit and he was kind of teaching himself. And so I said, like, let's jam. And like I said, we've known each other our whole lives, basically, so it was like super easy. I just... We went over there and jammed a couple times and wrote like... 10 like really short to the point hooky punk songs and we've played two shows (laughs) and uh and they were so fun and uh yeah that was my first time like fronting a band it's just the two of us though very white stripes (laughs) that's called management right yeah the management yeah okay so 
Um, Sorry, we've been going. I know the original question was how do you describe your sound, and now we're going. <laughs> that's where and we, we haven't want. asked yeah. a question since. Yeah, yeah no, that's awesome. But you're reading my face and answering the questions that you think I'm going to ask. <laughs> <laughs> you also, a psychic. You know, we have, let's, let's go into that too. <laughs> that's also a talent. <laughs> so, how would you describe a Nick Dyson show versus uh, the management show? Great question, and where I was going. <laughs> I was reading her face. Um, so. On the best of days, a Nick Dyson show is like dead quiet, um, crying. F- some crying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In the early days, I was the one that was doing the crying. Actually, I've gotten my emotions under control in that regard. Thank God. Um, but yeah, I used to cry on stage, um, and then that would make other people cry. And I've I've definitely heard some sobs <laughs> while trying to sing. Um, which blows my mind every time. But uh, yeah, on the best of days, it's really quiet, and I'm I'm singing my songs, um, and it gets really heavy at some points. But I always try and leave my sets with a hopeful ending, so that people aren't <laughs> leaving my shows like crushed <laughs> emotionally, <laughs> and 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 I know that at the end of every set that I play, I'm, like, emotionally exhausted. Like, I don't know how people go out after shows. Like, I've probably only done that once because I just want to go home and, like, sleep or just reflect on on what I did. Uh, and an imag- a management show is the exact opposite, uh, which is exactly what I wanted. It's just the songs aren't as serious. It's more fun and lighthearted. Um, and we... I mean, we take it seriously, but we don't take ourselves too seriously. Like, we're just having fun, you know? Um, because I take my, my own solo stuff so seriously because it's so personal to me that I, I was coming to the point where I thought to myself, why am I even doing this? Not the... Not, I, I wouldn't say that I was going to quit or anything, but the original joy that I used to feel playing those songs was replaced with this heavy feeling. And, I mean, at the end of every show, I always felt lifted and liberated, and I felt better. But, I don't know, the feelings just kind of changed. And so I thought, what do I, what can I do to alleviate this, like, heaviness that I feel with my own songs? And uh, that was the answer. And it worked, 100%. So anytime I, I feel like I need to uh, release or just have fun, I'll kind of I'll just switch myself over. Mm-hmm. So what is your stage presence? The difference between management, Nick, and I haven't really figured out my stage presence as the management, like. Because I haven't seen the management play, but I know as Nick Dyson, you, you well, yeah, as you, uh-huh. but as playing as that, you're very. It seems like you're. You're very um, within yourself, like a lot of like singing to your guitar almost sometimes. You know? Yeah, and that's the other, that's another thing is the management is again opposite of that. Right. Yeah, like I'm I'm much not more not doing that. And when I play solo, I'm always sitting. I have a chair. Sometimes I'll have a little stool. Like I feel like I should I should get myself a setup like get candles going get like a nice one of those sick rugs oh, yeah, yeah 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 and just and make it like a like a set room piece for you? yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, 
But when I played with the management, that was the first time I actually stood up and played. I almost fell over a couple times, but uh, I did it, and it was super fun. So I haven't, but I haven't really figured out my stage presence with the management, with uh, with just myself. It's I don't want to talk about myself like this, but like the fact that everyone stops what they're doing on a on a good show and and hangs on every word. Like, I can't really describe that, but it's the ultimate compliment that someone like me could receive. So I feel like in a stage presence that's very commanding, you know? And I, again, I, I don't really understand it. It blows my mind every time it happens. And yeah, it's incredible. But I want people to, to be loud when I play with the management. <laughs> like, and it was really weird too. Because when I'm playing my my sad songs, nobody's moving, right? Like, they're sitting down, they're staring, they got their eyes closed, they're crying. But when I'm playing with the management, like, people are, like, you know, headbanging or, or moshing. Like, <laughs> the exact opposite. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, and I'm not used to that. So, like, I, I remember... I, like the first time I saw people start moving to my songs, it was like distracting. Like I want, I wanted to stop and be like, "Oh my god, like that's so cool!" Because <laughs> yeah, I'm just not, yeah, I'm just never seen it before. So, how do you think um, a band for your solo project would work out? Because people might be less inclined to be sitting there in silence if there's like more noise and movement on stage. Yeah, and I thought about that too, um, but. Uh, I think it's time. I think people are asking, like, when are you going to get a band behind you? And um, my first album was straight acoustic, like zero instrumentation. And then the second one had a little bit. And so now this third one that I'm writing right now and recording right now uh, is full on production. So, oh yeah, which is all new to me. So... I've got a full band behind me in the recordings, so if I if I didn't try to reproduce that, some people might get turned off, right? Because they'll hear the, the songs on Spotify or wherever, and they'll come to a show, and it won't sound anything like that. And so, uh, yeah, I feel like it might be time. And I'll do the City in Color thing where... You know, you'll do a little bit of a full band set, and then the band will leave, and you'll play a couple of the OG acoustic songs, make everybody happy, and then, and then the <laughs> band will come back, and like that kind of thing. I that's what I envision for myself eventually, probably for by the by the time the next album comes out. So the band that you're recording with right now is who you would anticipate to be playing with. <laughs> so the guy who's recording my album, Jordan Voth, punk uh, legend. He also plays in Bleed American. He, uh, he's recording it and he's also playing all the instruments that I'm not playing. Yeah. So he's doing, he's doing the bass tracks. He's doing, uh, some of the lead guitar tracks. He's doing all the drums. Yeah. So, I mean, when it comes to actually getting a band together, I've got, I've got a plethora of people to, to choose from. Uh, not sure if he would want, and I would love him to, to actually be able to, take what he's created for me 
for my album and be able to bring that on stage because it's as much his as it is mine at this point because he's got so much invested in it. So yeah, it'll be uh, it'll be interesting though. Again, I I'm trying not to think too far ahead because the album is going to take a long time and I don't want to rush it. I don't want to. Uh, get my hopes up in any way. But where, where Very you... Nick Dyson ending to that. <laughs> the don't want to get my hopes up? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> is, that... is that one of your songs, actually? Is no. That too... <laughs> <laughs> Just Maybe. <jot> it down. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> now it will. Yeah, yeah, you need a pen and paper. <laughs> yeah. Where are you uploading your music, and where do you find is the best platform for your music? Mm, so... I'm going to make myself feel old here, but like when I first started releasing music, 2011, I had a, a really crappy EP that's, you know, a collector's item at this point. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I sold them at shows, like physical copies, and that was the only place you could get what them. What was the name of it? Dreaming Under a Broken Tree. That was the oh, first yeah. thing. Right and out of high school, I did that. That was the Troy... Troy did the album art for that one? No, my cousin did the album oh, art for that right. one. What's your cousin's name? Colin. Colin, Colin, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Um, um, Troy played all the shows with me at, at those times. Right. But, uh, yeah, okay, so so I, I made these DIY CDs and I sold them. and I, I sold like 200 of them, like no problem. And the... It wasn't available anywhere else, and then this, and then the first full length. Again, I sold so many CDs that I'm pretty sure I've got a small handful left out of 500. Mm. And now I've got this, the one that I did uh, two summers ago, and I've got a box of 250 in my, uh, in my room. Not because people aren't listening to the music or they don't care, it's because of Spotify and Apple Music and all of those. Um, because before, like I said, it wasn't available anywhere else except for physical and people were okay with that. But as time has progressed, people kept asking me like, are you on Spotify? Are you on Apple music? Where can I stream your music? And so I kind of was pushed into that, uh, into that space. And I'm not sure how I feel about it. Uh, it's not really, it's, if it was for the money, I wouldn't do it. Uh, but Spotify is, is a really, it's really problematic in the ways that it pays its artists. Um, and not just people like me, but so, um, Spotify, Apple music, Google play, pretty sure it's on Amazon music. Pretty sure it's on all of them. I kind of forget how many there are now, but it's on all of them now. Do you have to individually submit or is there a service that'll just blast them all? Uh, yeah, I use a service that blasts them all. Oh. Um, I heard that you will soon be able to self-upload music to uh, Spotify. Like artists will be able to just upload their music directly, which is like super cool. And I think that might uh, change my viewpoint of Spotify if that ever comes through but we'll see we'll see how that plays out because <laughs> yeah i don't know so is your music on spotify and yeah. like is totally. it all monetized like do you see any money from the streams that come through <laughs> barely barely so i um 
Do you want to know the, the stone hard cold facts? If you want to if tell you us, if you want to give us a hot take. Yeah. I mean, it, and again, it's not just for me. This is for, you know, basically everyone. So like it's good knowledge. Yeah. One stream is something like 0.0012 of a cent. Uh, even, even more, even more than that. And so you'd have to get more than a hundred streams to even see like a dollar. And for like, you know, the mega stars who are getting millions, billions of hits, that's great. Mm. But for someone like me, I mean, in a couple months, I get enough money for a, for a Slurpee and I'm like stoked. I'm like, it's <laughs> <laughs> a free Slurpee you didn't know about. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Thanks, Spotify. Um, and, and I've talked to a lot of other musicians about this, and yeah, it's the same thing. I mean, we, we put it, it's, again, it's not about the, the money at all, but we put it up on Spotify for ease of access, right? Because mm-hmm. above all, we just want people to listen. We want people to be able to have access to it. So we put it up there. But yeah, it, the return is next to none. And um, so do you find people now buy less physical copies? Yeah, that's exactly that's exactly what I was saying. I got a huge box of CDs in my in my room because people when I come off stage, they don't ask to buy a CD. They say, "Are you on Spotify?" Mm. Right? So it's whatever. You I should mean, just be like $10 to ask if I'm on Spotify and you get a free CD. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You trick them. Or I'll say it's private access. You need to pay ten bucks, and you get a physical copy uh, as a bonus. <laughs> yeah, the the password's inside this case. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> along with a CD. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like that whole landscape's changing now. Like even when you buy like almost any CD, it all all comes with the digital download too, and and vinyl too. Yeah. 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 yeah these different initiatives to try and like get that music like as far as it can go really like like they want people to buy physical but they all they also understand that it's predominantly digital so they'll yeah, yeah they'll put those codes in to say we'll give you the code for free if you'll just buy it physically which is i always found strange because like if i bought that joyce manor vinyl i'm buying it because i want to listen to that vinyl like yeah, I me too. I can go stream them on Spotify. I don't need the digital download. Me too. And I, I'll, I, I still have an OG uh, iPod, so I, I will use those codes. Oh yeah. Um, oh, yeah I don't, I don't use Spotify. My music's on Spotify, but I don't use it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I have the Apple Music subscription. That makes yeah. me feel better about it. It's, it's like, a little better. It's yeah. like twenty bucks a month or something. It's a little better, yeah. Ten bucks a month. Oh, for the yeah Apple, Apple Music, music yeah. and then you get yeah. to like listen to all of it. Now, do they? Does Apple Music compensate differently than like say Spotify? I'm not that well versed. I wouldn't be uh, probably <laughs> very slightly. He care. He wants you to buy yeah. the CD. Yeah, buy, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. the point of this conversation. Buy yeah. the CD. <laughs> Yeah, support local artists, like, actually go to yeah. the shows. I still like, love having CDs, like, I have course, a huge yeah. thing in my, the binder in my car, where, like, I have a bunch of local stuff, and, yeah. like, Valley Village, get the $2 CDs. Yeah. Have your own, like, collection. Local well, CDs. I can't figure out a Bluetooth to save my life, so, yeah. just, like, CDs. 
my Bluetooth disconnects. Like, well, yeah. I'll be driving, and then I have Guess to, Guess like, what? CDs don't disconnect. Right? They skip when you go over a pothole, but that's about <laughs> it. <laughs> that's okay. I've been living with that my whole life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I want to start about how you started... I want to start about... I want to talk about how you started music in the first place. Girl. I've told <laughs> this... I've, uh, I've told Still this story uh, multiple times. It kind of changes every time, but... Um, yeah, tell us the new updated version. Okay, sure. The, <laughs> the uh, what season is it right now? Spring, right? Yep. Yes. <clears throat> Spring K, a 2K19 version. Okay. Uh, I was in grade 12, and there was a, a program that our division puts on called Art Speak. Mm-hmm. Olivia, you went, didn't you? I didn't go. Really? Yeah. You would have fit right in. I know. Did you guys go to the same school? Yeah, we went to high school oh, together. Cool. And middle school. And middle school, yeah. We go We go way back. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. That's how we know the same people. That's how I Yeah, know exactly. We were talking about Brendan. Well, and, Troy and, and Colin, Troy and Colin, I got confused <laughs> because they were attached at the hip. Like, weren't Troy and Colin, like, buds, like... Uh, no, Troy and, and Lucas were. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like, I'm just mixing yeah. up that whole group now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah there's Lucas lots of Kerlowich, boys. Lucas Kerlowich, who's in a couple local bands now, yeah, too. Yeah, oh, yeah. He's a he's a master guitar player. He's yeah. one of the best, yeah. We have a lot of folks that came out of... Mm-hmm, we sure cool. do. And, like, uh, Mark Kugel's sister, Chantel. And was, Mark. Yeah. Yeah, both make music, too. Mm-hmm. Cool stuff. And Summer Dwellers. Wow. Yeah. We, OG giving stuff. in. And, uh, oh yeah, giving in, yeah. And uh, Bushstone's in the Lucky now. So mm-hmm. you guys like, just want to shout out the school? <laughs> oh yeah. SCI, Art Speak. Exactly. SCI is just like, I guess, a hot place for local music. Yeah. But anyways, to answer your question. Yeah, Art Speak. Okay, so, yeah, grade 12 high school and... I got invited because it was an exclusive thing. The talent development teacher from the school would seek you out. And see, I was not seeked. Yeah. <laughs> see, apparently, Sucked. because there, because it was so limited as to mm-hmm. how many kids they could they could bring in, they kind of kept it a secret. But if you knew about it and you asked about it, you would probably get in. But they kind of kept it under wraps because they didn't want too many people to apply because they couldn't take very many. So I got asked, and I was like, ah, like, because I was really shy at that time. I have really hadn't come out of my shell whatsoever. So I, I was really apprehensive. But I had friends in my classes and stuff that had gone in grade 9, grade 10, grade 11. So as soon as they heard that I had been uh, invited, they're like, dude, you have to go. It's life-changing. Like, you have to go. And... I mean, I guess you could say this is one instance where peer pressure was a good thing. Because uh, they really did. They pressured me. They kept saying, like, you got to go. Like, don't, don't pass this up. And so, I, and so I said, okay, I'll go, I'll go. So they said, okay, um, bring your guitar. It's not mandatory, but you should bring it. And be prepared for jam sessions. And I was like, well damn like okay um and i at that time i'd been playing guitar forever and and i was good at playing with people uh, instrumentally like i could jam but as for singing i hadn't 
never, ever, ever even tried because um, I was terrified. And so I thought to myself, well, if I'm going to go to this camp and bring my guitar, I really don't want to be left out of whatever opportunities may arise for jams. So uh, when my parents weren't home, like super late at night, I would uh, try and sing and play. And I just kind of taught myself. Thankfully, I had, I had the, the really good base of like being able to play guitar really well or moderately well or not really good at all. Um, so it was just kind of getting that, that coordination of doing both at the same time. And I could do like a handful of songs, and so I felt I felt good. And of course, Artspeak came, and that's exactly what happened. We had I have so many incredible memories of just sitting around with all these people from all over the division, some friends from SCI, but also people from like Whitemouth, Powerview, all these uh, places all over, and just singing these songs. We sang like City in Color. Um, Death Cab, like all the classics, <laughs> all the modern classics, and and that was my first experience playing in front of playing and singing in front of anyone, and it went well. I mean, no one told me I sounded terrible. No one told me that to just stick to playing guitar. So <laughs> I kind of I felt good about that. Um, and when I got home from that experience, it was so. It was just so enlightening for me because, again, I was so shy. I had one group of friends in high school only. I had never talked to anybody else. I was very kind of inside myself, very uh, nervous about, not about what people thought of me, but just like nervous to insert myself into other people's lives, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So I just kind of stayed away from everybody. But... Um, after that experience, it was just so heartwarming and, and so welcoming, and, and it was just such a beautiful community. I felt so sad because it was grade 12. It was the last session, Artspeak session of the year, and all these people, like I said, were spread out all over the place, and I knew that that environment, that thing that we had would never be replicated. Um, and I got really depressed. Uh, and I found myself with my guitar one day and I, I had my art speak book because you get, you get like a notebook every time you go, um, to write whatever, but I had my art speak book and I wrote some words down about how I felt about those people and that experience. And that ended up being my first song. Yeah. What was and it called? It's just called I Miss You. Very straight to the point. <laughs> and, and I don't play it very often anymore. Um, that's the one that usually makes people cry. And I've heard a lot of stories about how people connect to that song. And that's all I could really ask for as a musician. But for me, uh, that's one of the only songs from my early angsty years that I still connect with because it's kind of grown up with me. You know, like I don't miss those people in the same way, but I miss other people, right? I, 
it's like a universal thing to miss people. Everybody's got somebody that they wish was still around. Um, cause things change and people change. So yeah, I, I still connect to it very deeply, just in a different way. But I, I kind of keep my, I kind of guard it a little bit more because of how raw it probably always will be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and then with your music, you started, you played Folk Fest, right? The Young Performers, and you started doing... That was, that was in the, that was in the, like, that was in the future. Yeah. It so took a while to get there. The, talk about your journey getting there. Okay, so, like, really quickly, I started, my first shows were at Aquabooks, which became The Pint, which is now closing down. Don't get me started. <laughs> Don't get me started. <laughs> But Aquabooks was run by. Was run by Kelly Hughes. He is one of my heroes. He gave me my first show without knowing who I was, knowing what I sounded like. I just went up to him because I heard that the place was closing. I said, "I want to play a show here before you guys close. Do you have anything available?" And he just kind of looked at me and he's like, "Let me go check." And he gave me this opening spot for this touring musician uh, from BC. Like, I think 15 people showed up and over half of them were for me because it was my first show. And it was, like, my best friends, you know? Um, But since then, it just kind of multiplied. And I knew a couple local bands, but I wasn't, you know, I wasn't in the scene. But uh, I went to school with... Lisa Grabowecki, her brother, uh, is in Take Me to the Pilot, or was in Take Me to the Pilot, who were one of the top local bands here for quite a while. <laughs> a lot of emphasis in that statement. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> were. Yeah. Well, because they, one yeah. Top. <laughs> um, and so he found out that I was starting to play shows, and and he was like, right on, man. Like, that's so great. We'll, we'll keep you in mind. And I remember getting an email from the lead singer of Take Me to the Pilot being like, hey, do you want to open one of our shows? I screamed my face off. Like, it was like a full-on... It was a full-on fanboy moment. Like, I just couldn't believe it because I I already looked up to them so much and they just kind of... I played less than 10 shows at that point and they're like, do you want to open this show? It ended up being one of the biggest shows I've ever played to this day because it was a sold-out park theater... And there was just people everywhere. Um, I felt like a rock star that night. I really did. Um, and after that, people started to know who I was because there was just so many people there. Uh, and they could tell that I was new. And so as soon as I came off stage, they kind of just swallowed me up. <laughs> and uh, and I just got all the friend requests. And, and they're like, man, we got to play a show. Man, we got to play a show. And so it just kind of went from there yeah and then to play at folk fest yeah well you okay apply to do that uh, yeah you have to yeah so the first time i applied which was probably around the time of that take me to the pilot show i actually didn't get in uh which is fine i definitely thinking back on it now definitely was not ready but uh then the next year i i applied and i got in so it's this program where for people who don't know, it's the Young Performers Program through Folk Fest. Four, kids 14 to 24 uh, apply in about 
30 or 40 people get in and you get a mentor and the mentor is almost always a performer at the fest and so the day before the fest starts you go to this um big church i wish i knew remembered what the name was i've been there like four times now i should know oh, is, it in, on it. Um, is it in wolsey yes it is the yeah. knox united yeah it's knox united yeah boom yeah teamwork yeah, yeah. That's a collaboration there. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we go there and we split off into groups and it's kind of like a songwriting circle. We just kind of go around, play our songs and, and get feedback and we collaborate. That's probably my favorite part is like you just have a, a circle of unbelievably talented musicians all just kind of collaborating on your song and uh, you spend all day there with these people and you kind of come up with a set, uh, kind of a performance with uh, all of your songs. Everybody does about two songs. Um, and then you know, on the Friday of Folk Fest, there's a whole day uh, that's taken up by these groups on one of the stages. And so you get a, a chance to play Folk Fest. Like you're, you're, on, the, you're on the schedule. It's, it's really surreal. So... I, I did it four years in a row wow. after I, I got in, and now I'm too old. I'm 25, the cutoff is 24. So this is going to be the first year that I'm not in it, uh, and it makes me well, a little sad. there's but. a lot of, it's very hopeful, like, to be a performer after that. Lots of people oh, that have gone through yeah. the Young Performers 100%. Program are like, yeah. the Roger Roger mm-hmm. was a participant, and then they opened the fest this past year. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Micah yeah. Ehrenberg. Yeah, and uh, Reverend Rambler, Reverend yeah. Rambler, who admitted applied when he was twenty six. Did he get in? Bad boy. Yeah. Oh, he got in. His sister was twenty four and he was twenty six, but they played together. Uh-huh. Oh. Found a loophole. Yeah, a loophole. He lied. He lied. He said they were twins or something. Nice. So, <laughs> so they no. said on the podcast, so that's why I'm saying it. Right <laughs> it's public knowledge. Yeah. You know, yeah, you're not exposing him. No, yeah. no, he exposed himself. Um, so well, don't say that. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Context. <laughs> uh, okay, so you took us up to Folk uh, Fest. S- uh, spring 2K19. Yes. What's summer 2K19? Yeah, what do you got coming yeah. at us? Uh, well, I'm, I'm recording my next album with, uh, with Jordan Both, like I said, and it's full production. Uh, it's, like, glossy and, and really, like, polished which, again, is completely new to me because all my other albums have been recorded in my basement with my dad. Um, and we do the best we can, but it's obviously not professional because we're not professionals. But I, f- I feel like Jay, or Jordan, is because he's been doing it for over 10 years uh, and he's, he's got all the gear and knows how to use it, you know? And that's the big difference. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm doing that. Um, and then hopefully releasing it this summer or fall and uh, getting the band together <laughs> or trying to see if that works out and I don't know, see what happens. So you're not doing Folk Fest, are you going to do any of the other smaller festival circuit? I did uh, Real Love last year and that was yeah. Yeah. fantastic. It was very nice. I uh, loved it. Um, but I haven't, I don't know. I don't know. I when I when I get down to record an album, I kind of think that I need to separate myself and like say no to things and and not 
try to do that because then I get distracted and then I don't record. Um, so I kind of have to stop myself so that I can hunker down and just do it. Um, because recording is really hard. It's like really exhausting. I mean, you'd go in like, I remember the first day that Jay and I recorded, we, re- we recorded for like seven hours. I got, I didn't leave my chair for seven hours because, and, and like my, my muscles were all tight and like, and, and I had a headache because we're, you're just so focused on what you're doing and because everything, not to, I hate to say this word, but everything needs to be perfect, right? So you're just, you're, you're focusing so intently on what you're doing. So yeah, if I, if I distract myself by playing shows, I will not sit down for eight hours to do that. Mm-hmm. It's really, yeah. yeah. For multiple days on end too. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool to have that kind of discipline too, like not to spread yourself too thin and know where you need to focus your energy and time. Yeah. And the other thing is I don't want to oversaturate myself by playing too many shows because then people don't come. True. And I've had that happen. You know, people say, I'll see you next time. I'll see you next time. Because they just know it will happen. Mm-hmm. But if you're a little bit more picky and choosy with, with when you come out to play, um, it's more of a, it's more of an event. You know, that people say, oh, I can't miss this because who knows when he's going to play again kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Just always say it's the last show. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this yeah. is the last so one. Cry even yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. No, I'm, every, every show is my retirement show. Yeah. Yeah. yeah nice. Um, yeah. So that's the other part of it. Exciting. So is your, um, are you a little bit, like, what are your feelings about moving towards that sort of basement recording are there any like worries about moving from those basement recordings to something a little bit more polished and I mean yeah it's really scary I mean because I think people have gotten used to uh how I sound and they have a certain expectation I hope that doing the full production you know raises expectations and and exceeds expectations but I don't know Mm -hmm. um because it's it's different it sounds totally different so I don't, I don't really know how people are going to react. I mean, I've shown, a, you know, the select few people uh, what I've been up to, and and they they seem to like it. But I mean, the the people that I trust the most to to share my music with uh, are the people that if they said they really didn't like it, they wouldn't be my friend anymore. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, <laughs> So you're honest. Yeah. <laughs> no, but it, I'm just kidding. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's exciting, but it makes me very, very nervous. And I know that um, Jay's been really patient with me because, you know, I'll hear something in the recording that just seems off to me, and he's like, "No, that's just that's just the recording, man. Like that's that's just how polished music sounds." But I think to myself, like, I listen to polished music all the time, you know, like, like professionally recorded music. I listen to it all the time. So like, what's so odd about this? And I think it's just because it's me, you know, it's like, I'm still not used to hearing myself. It's kind of like hearing yourself on an answering machine and going, do I really sound like that? Yeah. It's kind of like that. And to this day, I still question why people would want to hear my voice. Like I know that I can sing and I and I have pitch 
and things like that. But I, I don't understand what the what the draw is. So I guess when I'm when I'm listening to myself and trying to trying to critique myself, like, hmm, is this something that people will really want to listen to? It's kind of hard for me to wrap my head around that. I don't know. Has that been always like a reoccurring yeah. feeling? Uh, since day one. But, I've then, gotten... but since day one, you've been selling CDs and people have been coming to your shows. I mean, yeah. True. So, I mean, there's the, there's the, yeah, 100%. And so I have to kind of talk myself down. And obviously, it's gotten better and easier to hear myself. And, and I, I can, instead of focusing on being like, uh, instead of focusing on that negative aspect, being like, I don't know why anybody would listen to this, I could be like, Oh yeah, no. This is this uh, this sounds really cool. I can't wait for people to hear that, and that's a that's a really cool shift in thinking for me, and I and I'm getting that a lot more with these with these full band arrangements because I've just been able to do so much that I was never able to do. Going back to Folk Fest, one of the collaborations that I did on one of my new songs, uh, she had an, a harp. Her name, yeah, a full-on harp. Wow. And, yeah. It's commitment. And, I mean, she had an incredible voice and everything, but come on, a harp? And she's, like, incredible. <laughs> she's incredible at it. And and so, as part of the collaboration, she was playing harp over my song. It was, like, it was mind-blowing. Like, it was just, like, yeah. So, obviously, uh, at pretty much... A day after the fest, I was like, I really hope that you'll consider recording harp for that song when I get down to record it. And thankfully, she said yes. We'll see if we'll see if uh, that plays through. But like, those are the kinds of things. Like, could you imagine a harp on one of my songs? Pfft. Come on, <laughs> like, come on, it's it's wild. Yeah. So we'll we'll uh, I, I'm ex- I'm excited for that. So I hope that other people will will too. Yeah. That's wow. awesome. Thank you so much for this, Nick. Yeah. This is awesome. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. I'm, I'm, happy, I'm happy to do it. I'm really happy to do it. Of course. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much. And thank, thank you, you for, for cutting, cutting deep, deep with us on Paper, Paper Cup, Cup Podcast. Podcast. Thanks. Thanks.